0: Reading from Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart me from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes? or sick, or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is the word of the Lord.
1: We're currently... If you're joining us for the first time this morning, if you're visiting, again, just a warm welcome. You're our guest. Uh, We here at Erina Community Baptist are joining with churches right around the nation of varying denominations looking at the difference that Jesus has made to Western culture in particular in, in a variety of areas, and areas that we would often take for granted actually find their origin and roots in the person and the teaching of Jesus And we began by looking at the historical evidence for the person of Christ. Um, And I guess the, the premise of Jesus the game changer is that, yes, Jesus changes societies and communities, but Jesus changes ultimately one person at a time. He is a game changer for individuals who then go on to become game changers themselves. And that's what we've witnessed today. We've witnessed the power of Jesus being a game changer for Ian and and, and Bronte and Rhonda, who now, as Sarah prayed, will kind of go on to be game changers for others. And that's kind of been the plan, and that's why God sent his Holy Spirit, as we sang at the very beginning, uh, the plan that God's people would continue his mission to be game changers in the lives of others. So we talked about the historical evidence for Jesus and then the difference that Jesus has made around equality for men and women, for people of all different races. Uh, Last week we heard about the difference that Jesus has made for women and for children. And today, just very briefly, I want to share with you the difference or some of the difference that Jesus has made in regards to care, Um, or namely compassion, and that is caring for individuals, people who are going through difficult times, particularly those who are ill or those who suffer misfortune. Alvin Schmidt, who wrote How Christianity Changed the World, um, examines the Greco-Roman culture into which Jesus came, and I guess where the teaching and the ministry of Jesus began. And he looks at these two words that speak about care. And when we understand the difference between these two words, it helps us understand the difference that Jesus made. The two words are liberalitas and caritas. And liberalitas means to care for someone, to offer someone uh, assistance in their time of need, but there is an expectation that the favour will be returned. So I do something for you because you're in need, but in a sense now you are obligated to serve me. You might recall when Jesus t- gives the parable about hosting a banquet. He's speaking into a culture where when people would invite others to come for a banquet, they would do so with the cultural expectation that you would return the favor. Therefore, if you couldn't return the favor, you never host a banquet, and you're never going to be invited to a banquet. That's the kind of culture that Jesus is speaking into, and that same philosophy applies when it came to care. I will care for you in your time of need, but only with the expectation that you will then help me in my time of need. Now, the word "caritas" uh, carries very different meanings and connotations. It it says, "I will care for you in your time of need." Full stop. There's no no expectation that you're going to then serve me. I'm just going to serve you out of the goodness of my heart. Now, this form, this way of caring for people was not common practice at all. In fact, in this culture, in this society, classical philosophers would say that showing mercy, showing empathy, showing pity for those who are poor, for those who are suffering, is actually a defect of your character. Can you believe that? (laughs) Very hard for us to understand today, isn't it? But why would you do such a thing was kind of the prevailing ethos of the time. And so understanding these two words helps us understand the culture into which Jesus speaks. Now, in today's world in today's society here in Western culture, there is certainly conversation about care and how care ought to be provided and perhaps who buy and how much the government ought to do and how much uh, other agencies ought to do. Uh, so there is absolutely conversation about care, but the difference is it's not about whether or not care should be provided, it's more about the level of care and who should provide it and how much the government should pay for and so forth. It's a very different conversation. Uh, This, however, what we experience today was certainly not the common practice or not the case in Jesus' day. And that's because of the difference that Jesus, the game changer, has made. The early church became leaders in caring for those who were in need. Now, it's understandable for a community of people who are connected as brothers and sisters in Christ to care for one another, and we expect, in a sense, that that would happen. And so we read in Acts 2 how the early church cared for those who were in need and no one went without. The interesting thing is, however, is that this care, this extension of compassion, was not just for those who were kind of in-house, if you like. They were not, it wasn't just a way of caring for people who were part of the church family. That care extended to people beyond the church family, beyond the body of Christ. And that's what flawed society. It wasn't just that the church community was so radical in its care for one another. It was that that care actually rippled out to people who didn't know yet about Jesus and the difference that he had made. Now, this caused some significant outrage amongst (laughs) leaders of the time. This was not a popular thing to do. And Julian the apostate, it caused great contention for him. He was the the leader or the ruler, if you like, after Constantine. Constantine changed the official religion of Rome to Christianity and embraced that. But after he'd left, the next person that took over was the complete opposite. And in a sense, he wanted to return Rome to its pagan origins and pagan roots. He was no friend of the church. And Interesting to read about the fact that there were pagan priests. So many of us would understand what a, a religious priest is and that that is a person who stands uh, before God on behalf of the people and ministers to them. Well, they're actually pagan priests, a lot of them. Uh, and they would serve the false gods, if you like, of the time. And Julian tried to encourage the pagan priests to um, serve the needy and the poor, much like what the Christian priests and community were doing. But they wouldn't have a bar of it (laughs) because it wasn't part of their culture. It wasn't part of their value system. And so that fell flat. But why did the Christians serve the poor? And in this particular time and context, it made such a difference because they were so different. Well, the reason the early church and the Christians cared for the poor was because they served a master who himself had cared for the poor, who had a mandate right from the very beginning of his ministry, as Jesus read in the temple from the scroll from Isaiah 61 1 to 2, which is recorded for us in Luke's gospel. And right at the outset of Jesus' ministry, we see that he is going to exercise a bias. Of care and attention to the poor, to the prisoners, and to the oppressed. Now, this can be interpreted as both spiritual but also physical. Jesus is going to come and he is going to meet the needs of people where they're at, both spiritually and physically. And then we read through the Gospels, there are so many different stories and accounts, aren't there, of Jesus ministering to those in need, offering care to people. Um, who are sick, who are ill, who are hungry, and Jesus ministers to their brokenness. But a key text, if you like, that I suppose really helped form and shape the early church's response to people in need is the text that we heard from Trev earlier in Matthew 25. And it's the classic Judgment Day text of the sheep And the goats and the sheep are divided on one side, they are put to the right, and the goats are put to the left. And it's in this instance that we see the word caritas being um, fleshed out, if you like. God's people have cared for the poor with the spirit of caritas, and they have done it because they have been called to by their master, and there was no expectation or obligation on those who receive it. Very different from the goats who have carried out that care of uh, That's uh, I will only offer care to you if you will extend that same care to me. So we read in Matthew 25 these words, And the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And what's surprising about this text is, I guess, the sense of surprise that those on the right have. And they say, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we uh, see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And then Jesus, who is speaking as the king, went on to say words that would quite literally change the church and the society in which we now live in. Truly I tell you, whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you have done for me. And so all of a sudden now, the whole outlook towards showing care to others has been reframed. You don't do it in order to receive for yourself. You show care because in doing so, you are actually showing care to me. The early church took that seriously. And so they went out of their way to find people who were sick, who were broken, who were in prison, who went without, and show them the love of Jesus because they understood that in doing so, they were actually showing care to Jesus himself. Is this not the vision of the justice ministry? (laughs) It is to reach and to share people who are poor and destitute and vulnerable and treated Uh, With contempt and abuse, that there is another way, that there is a God who loves them. And we who join with different organisations and we who ourselves seek to reach people who are in this circumstance, we don't do it for any gain for ourselves. We do it because we want to love Christ. (laughs) And it's a game changer, isn't it? So you can understand that in a world, in a society that is motivated and I guess framed up with the value of liberalitas, this teaching creates a huge shift. And and there is a shift and that shift just continues to flood into today's world where care is, is now offered and given, even from those who have no faith in Christ because that's the society that we now live in a society that does seek to offer care uh, and respect to the individual. Now, this um, sense of caritas care becomes really evident during two significant Roman plagues that happened in history, AD 165 and AD 251. And it is estimated that during these two plagues, 20 to 30% of the population died. And all those who were well and not affected by the plague fled. So anyone of influence, particularly the wealthy, the leaders, the pagan priests, they all took off, basically leaving the city full of people who had contagious diseases that were going to die. But some chose to remain and help and show care. Um Those who decided to remain and show care were those who followed the one who said, truly, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And so the believers of that time saw this as a wonderful opportunity to show the love of Christ to Christ (laughs) because they see Christ in the poor and the needy. And the early church made a profound impact in their community and in that time. Author and ancient historian, Tom Holland, who had a great love for the Greco-Roman era, um, as he began to study it more deeply, became profoundly upset and um, affected by the heartlessness and the carelessness that the people of this time and culture um, had towards those who were poor and in need, and he began to study what changed. Why was there such a significant shift historically in terms of how we have come so far to care for the poor and the needy and the downcast? And he wrote, um, and he understood that the the change that happened was not an outcome of the Enlightenment or kind of humanistic views. He wrote an article called Why I Was Wrong About Christianity. He's not a Christian, okay, but he is just examining the difference that Christianity has made into that. Greco-Roman culture. And here's how he finished off the article that he wrote. Today, even as belief in God fades across the West, the countries that were once collectively known as Christendom continue to bear the stamp of the two-millennia-old revolution that Christianity represents. It is the principal reason, by and large, most of us who live in the post-Christian Um, Societies still take for granted that it is nobler to suffer than to inflict suffering. It is why we generally assume that every human life is of equal value. In my morals and ethics, I have learned to accept that I am not Greek or Roman at all, but thoroughly and profoundly, proudly Christian. The words of Jesus motivated the early church to open up hospitals, institutions that would care for the poor. It made a significant difference. And let me share with you, to close, one little example that has touched the shores of our nation. In 1808 in Dublin, Ireland, there was a little lady, um, a nun, Mary Aikenhead, who just had a real sense of calling to love and serve the poor. So she became a nun and she took her usual vows of poverty and chastity and service. But in addition to that, she actually added a fourth vow and that was that she would give her life, she would dedicate herself to serving the poor. Uh, And she established a little uh, sisterhood um, of sisters who would do this, who would just start to exercise court and that was known as the, the Sisters of Charity. And the Sisters of Charity began to very quickly make a profound difference by serving the poor. And so much so that in 1838, she and her um, Sisters of Charity were asked if they could spare five sisters to send out to the new colony in Australia to, to implement, to exercise this same level of care. And so that's what happened. Five women came across to serve the poor and needy here in Australia as this colony was starting up. They would visit women in the Parramatta prison, of all places, so close to home, isn't it? And they began a hospital for the poor. And then in 1857, they purchased a small building in Potts Point uh, and opened St Vincent's Hospital, which is now known as St Vincent's Health Australia, one of Australia's largest uh, medical facilities that to this day still operates out of the founding values of sharing the love and the care of Jesus to all that they serve. So this small group of nuns from Ireland come out to Australia uh, who have taken the care, taken the teaching and the ministry of Jesus' care to heart and put it into practice. And that reached the shores of Australia and now one of our largest medical facilities is in operation because of this small group of women who took the words of Jesus, truly I tell you, whatever you do to the least of these, you do for me. The Western world and countries like Australia continue to receive an incredible level of care that has only come about through the game-changing life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the difference that Jesus has made in so many different areas of our Western culture and society. And we just want to pause and give thanks. We recognise, Lord, that we can so easily take some of these things for granted. And yet how wonderful it is for us to learn today that much of this care has its roots and origins in your life and ministry. What an encouragement for us to see the continual difference your life and teaching and ministry is making. And Lord, I would just pray this morning for followers of Jesus who are part of this church community here, that you would give us a new level of care and compassion towards those who are in need. That just like the early church who saw this as an opportunity to show their love and care and concern for you, Christ, that we too could have that same perspective and heartfelt response. And as we do this, like the early church that stood out and made such an impact in their time, may we too, for your name's sake, stand out so that you would be glorified. And we offer you this time in Jesus' name. Amen.